Welcome to Time in the Word. Today we're going to look at a verse of scripture in Acts chapter 1, verse 3. It says in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. The title of our message is The Power of His Resurrection. One of the greatest, one of the greatest inventions in, in our times is the invention of flight. A man invented a way in which to defy gravity and to sow into the skies and even into outer space. The discovery of, of flying airplanes and rockets into the sky, defying gravity. How much more if we have God's powerful presence available to us in our lives? How much more would, could we sow above the things that once held us down? To be able to conquer the things that once held us captive, to be able to do things that we could not do before. And here in this verse of scripture, it says that Jesus, after he suffered and died on the cross, and he rose again on the third day, he stayed with his disciples, it says, for a period of 40 days. It says after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And, and so here, why was it so important for Jesus to fully convince his disciples that he was alive? He spent 40 days after his resurrection with them specifically for this purpose of giving them convincing proofs that he was alive. Why is the living Savior such an important part of the Christian message? Why is the resurrection so central to the gospel message that we preach? Do you as a Christian understand the importance of the resurrection of Christ? That Christ rose, that he is alive, he is not in some grave like other religions and other uh, so-called gods of other religions which they preach about. But our God not only died for our sins, but he is alive. He was res resurrected by the power of God. By the Holy Spirit. Why is this such an important part of our Christian message? Well, it tells us if we understand why, first of all, why did Jesus have to die on that cross? Why was Jesus so compelled, so moved, so persistent and uh, full of passion to go to that cross? Well, First of all, we have to understand our problem of sin. That God has a moral law. Just as any nation has a moral law, God who is creator over all creation has a moral law that governs the entire universe. All creation is governed by his moral law. And man has trespassed, sinned 
and fallen short of this moral standard of God. We are all lawbreakers of God's moral law. We have fallen short. God does not compare you with the other person. He compares you with his moral law. And as each and every one of us are measured against God's moral law, we are all lawbreakers. We've fallen short of his moral law. We don't have to look any further than the Old Testament to understand God's holiness when he gave his moral law to his people, the Israelites. He gave this law through Moses. And what was meant to be taught to the Israelites from this moral law is the holiness of God. That God is holy. He has a perfect moral standard which he will never ever compromise. He will never lower that standard to fit you and I in. Even Jesus said, I have not come to abolish the law. I have come to fulfill it. Jesus did not come to change God's law or to lower the standard of God's law. God's standard of holiness remains eternally established in the heavens. And all men must measure up to his moral law. The Bible also teaches us the law, the Old Testament law, just as it reveals the holiness of God, it also reveals the fallen nature of man. Our incapability to measure up to the perfect standard of God's law. So we've fallen short. As we read through the laws that were given through Moses, we understand how many times we have broken that law. In fact, the Apostle Paul only had to look at one law, the law of thou shalt not covet, to realize how he had broken this law many, many times. And so we, as we look upon the law, we look into the law just as it is a mirror to our souls revealing the sinful nature of man so far and fallen short of God's standard of righteousness, God's standard of morality. We've broken it in many, many ways. We are so wretched when compared to God's moral standard. And the third thing that the law of God was to teach the Israelites, the people of God was that just as God is holy and we are not, that we desperately need a savior. We desperately need help and we need that help from God that God would somehow show us mercy and grant us salvation so we may have hope of a relationship with Him, that we can draw near to Him and we can have eternity with Him because the Word of God says God has placed eternity in the hearts of men. We were made for eternal life. But where will we spend that eternal life if we have broken God's moral law? Of course, it would not be with God because our sin separates us from Him. But thanks be to God that God sent His Son into our world. Where we didn't have a solution to get ourselves to God, God came into our world. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin. And don't forget this, He lived an absolute sinless life until the day He went to that cross. To bear 
the burden of our sins and to pay the price that was required by the law for every sinner. So Jesus went to that cross that according to the justice of God that sin must be punished. Period. Just as any judge in this world would be right to do is to condemn the sinner and to set free the innocent. But none of us, there is no innocent person in this world. There is only one innocent person that existed that existed in this world and that innocent person is Jesus. Jesus Christ. There were many criminals who were crucified in Jerusalem. There was only one righteous man crucified and that was Jesus. So Jesus came into our world without sin. That's why the immaculate conception that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin. He had no human father, therefore he had no sin and he came into our world without sin and lived without sin, was tempted by the devil that tempted Adam and he overcame temptation. He went to that cross without sin to present himself as the atoning sacrifice, one who pays for all our sins. You see, God does not simply forgive sinners. That is not said anywhere in the Bible that God simply forgives all sinners. That you could go to heaven and one day stand before God with the hope that he would simply forgive all your sins. No. Every sin must be paid for. According to the law, just as in this world, if a man commits a crime, he must serve the time. So it's the same in the Bible, according to God's moral law, all who are lawbreakers must pay the price. But God in his mercy and love came into our world and lived with a passion to give his life as a pure sacrifice to cleanse you of your sin, to deal with our sin, to pay for our sin. And therefore, when Jesus went to that cross, he went without any sin. He went as an innocent man, a holy sacrifice to, to appease that requirement of God for justice to be served. So God, instead of Punishing all of us, he punished his son in our place. He punished Christ by carrying out his justice on Calvary upon his son. So what does the resurrection tell you and I? Well, the resurrection is important because it says that people of Jerusalem, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, the Romans crucified Jesus. But the Bible tells us that God raised Jesus from the dead. So, why did God raise Jesus from the dead? Well, the main reason why God raised Jesus from the dead is because God was fully satisfied with the sacrifice of Jesus for the sins of everyone. You see, let me tell you something. If you've never heard it before, if Jesus even had one dot of sin, then God would not raise Jesus from the dead because he would not have been satisfied with his sacrifice. 
But the only reason that God raised His Son from the dead, the only reason why God raised Jesus from the dead is because He was convinced and fully satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ. That was a pure sacrifice for the sins of all mankind. That's why the risen Christ, the living Savior, is a reason for all of us to rejoice as we celebrate this Easter uh, Easter Sunday. We celebrate the risen Christ, and the risen Christ means that we are forgiven. God has accepted the sacrifice of Christ that has paid for your sins. We are forgiven, and you, through faith. In the sacrifice of Christ, if you believe today that Jesus Christ paid for your sins on Calvary and God raised him from the dead, therefore God is satisfied with Jesus' sacrifice, then my friends, you have this hope of being reconciled to a relationship with God. You have this hope of eternal life with God. That death is not the final destination for you and I. That we have hope beyond the grave, hope of eternal life in God's kingdom. That's why when Jesus rose from the dead, he stayed long enough to convince his disciples that it was truly him. Because when he rose from the dead, he was in this glorified state, and so he presented himself to them, it says, giving them convincing proofs in Acts chapter 3 that he was alive. This was so important that they were convinced of it. And they would be willing to die for this testimony and that's why they would go far and wide as Jesus would tell them, start in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, that they were to be his witnesses. What were they to witness? They were to be witnesses of the resurrected Christ that he was put to death, but we have seen him. He is alive. And his, the fact that he is alive is the hope for every mankind that our sins are paid for, that justice has been served, and we are set free, and we have hope through Jesus to have eternal life. Furthermore, Just as now God has accepted Jesus Christ's sacrifice, we also have this hope that since sin has been dealt with, we can now approach a holy God and find mercy and acceptance in Him. He doesn't see your sin anymore. It doesn't provoke the wrath of God anymore because as we trust in the sacrifice of Jesus that paid for our sins. It's as if you were standing before the judge condemned guilty for a crime and somebody else dis decided to take your place or agreed to take your place and pay the fine and the judge sets, free, sets you free and condemns that man in your place. That's what Jesus did for you and I. We are set free. He is condemned. And so now, because we have been cleansed and our sin has been dealt with, we can be now accepted in the presence of God as those who are righteous in His sight. The next wonderful thing that the resurrection tells us, first, firstly, that God has accepted the sacrifice of Jesus. Our sins are dealt with. 
our sins are, are paid for. The next thing is that we have this hope of being reconciled to God. The next is number three, that God can now indwell our lives because our sin has been cleansed. Because we are found to be righteous in His sight, just as we are reconciled to Him, God indwells our lives through His life-giving Spirit. And that's why Jesus says in verse 4, He says, On one occasion while He was eating with them, He gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus now promises his disciples that just as John baptized them with water, which symbolized a new life in Christ, which symbolized a turning from sin and now identifying one's life with God, with Jesus. He says he will also fill their lives with God's promise, the Holy Spirit. What does this, what does this, what hope does this give us? That our lives, when we put our trust in the Savior of the world who pays for our sins, the living Christ, when we trust in Him, what does this tell us? What hope does this give us that God's Holy Spirit indwells our lives? That number one, sin can now be defeated. Romans 8, 11, verse, Romans 8 verse 11 to 13 says this. It says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So here is the wonderful news that just as we our sins are paid for, we are reconciled to God. God's Spirit now can indwell our lives with power give life to our spirit, give life to our inner being, that once the things that held us down, as I said before, just as a plane defies gravity and flies into the sky, just as a rocket defies gravity and flies into space, the power of God can now give you the strength to defy the desires of the sin nature. The power of God can also give you the power to defy all the temptations of the devil. The power of God can now give you the power to accomplish the work of his kingdom of not only transforming yourself, but bringing a gospel that transforms the lives of others as well. You see, there will be great resistance to your life of walking in the will of God. There will be great resistance from your sin nature to pull you back into the sin nature. But my friend, God's power is greater than all of the forces that will come against you as you choose to live for God. Because God's Spirit will indwell your life and He will help you to rise above the sin nature just as 
a plane defies gravity god's power will help you to defy the sinful nature he will help you to defy all the resistance of the devil he will help you to bring change and transformation into the lives of others and advance advance his kingdom because God's power knows no limits and God's power is unstoppable and if God's presence is now indwelling your life the things that once conquered you held you down held you captive slowed you down will not stand in your way anymore this is the hope we have in the resurrected Christ as we celebrate resurrection sunday as we celebrate easter sunday that christ is alive the hope we have that we are united to god and god's presence fills our lives surrounds us is with us leads us helps us favors us my friend you have the hope of being victorious against all the things that might come up against you to stop in you for to, to stop you from fulfilling the purpose for which God created you which is to do his will and to be in relationship with him i hope that this message will stir up hope in your heart If you have been in chains to sin, if you've been struggling against all the the temptations and the attacks, if your life has been in ruin, if your if your moral condition is in ruin today, take heart. Jesus is alive and he makes his presence available to you if you trust in him. The future can be bright for you if you hope in the risen savior. A blessed Easter to you all. God bless you.